People are surprising. Just when you thought you had someone figured out after connecting and talking with them, they do something completely unexpected and they are just more interesting. You know, for me, it is that surprise factor and my natural curiosity just meeting together in the middle. Now, while that can also be spun in a negative direction, this is not the case for Joey Rook. I met Joey in 2016 at my last job in Eugene, Oregon at a Regal movie theater. And my first impression of him was always that he was quiet but hardworking. So we were able to connect just by you know, having that same mentality of nose to the grindstone and just get the work done. One day, as we were going from auditorium to auditorium, we were connecting and I just I got him to open up and just tell me that he's from Arizona and that he's a rapper under the name Rook and he's a part of a group called Dirt Squad. To this day, my mind is still trying to wrap around the idea that this quiet guy I worked for for three months is a rapper that can jump on stage with his group and just tear the house down. So as the interview started, I was completely thrown off from the get-go just because I saw another side of Joey that I didn't think I'd see. I thought I'd get the quiet guy and I had to try to get him to open up some more but as soon as that interview started it was all rook you know the fast talking the very passionate the driven individual that is always working to get dirt squad to the next level so before i play joey's interview i just want to say thank you to everyone that has been listening or watching the show as i continue to help it grow just like joey this is a passion project of mine and you know, I am always thinking about it. I'm always trying to find ways to improve it, whether that is listening to other people's suggestions or just listening to other podcasts and picking up on things that they do that I like and trying to incorporate it into my show. So my biggest and strongest critics has been my family, and I actually have a hard time accepting criticism from my family for some unknown reason. And I am I'm working on trying to be more accepting towards it because I know that they are just trying to get the best out of me and you know they will always want the best for me. And I want to give out my best product for you guys to enjoy you know, as viewers of the show and again or as listeners of the show. And it's it's a little bit of a struggle but you know it's something i need to do to be able to continue progressing as a person and i also like to apologize because uh, towards the end of the interview you tend to hear me sniffling a little bit it is allergy season here in portland oregon and i was trying to fight it off as much as i could but it just got the best of me towards the end darn it so whether you are listening to this interview through itunes or spotify or watching this on YouTube, please enjoy my chat with Joey Rook or Rook from Dirt Squad.
Joey Rook, aka Rook from Dirt Squad. How are we doing yeah, today? Sure. Pretty good, man. How you doing? Not not too bad. I mean, uh, it's uh, catching a little break from the rain, so it's nice not have that distraction going on right now. But you know, I've been uh, so we met uh, during my last three months in Eugene working at the movie theater, and I remember right. meeting you and talking with you, and you were always that kind of quiet demeanor so like it, you know make granted it was probably work but i always took you as like a little quiet a little bit reserved but when you told me that you know you're you're a rapper from arizona i was i was I had a hard time believing that just because you know i just didn't, could not see it now i imagine you have a whole different persona when you jump on stage Can you, yeah how do you flip that switch from having such a quiet demeanor outside the stage to turning it on and ramping it up when you get on there well honestly bro it's like two different worlds it's uh one world is rooks and one world is joey rook and i mean they are the same person but at the same time rooks is an artist and he's there to entertain people and he is dirt squad you know what i mean and then joey rook is who i was born as that's my real life you know because there's like family life and personal life and i would say that's my joey rook life and then when it's rooks it's dirt squad everything you've ever seen from me a video or a show or a song or whatever that's that's rooks you know it's like two different it's like two different sides of my brain like split in half like the biggest example i can use is when we opened up for little wayne at the cuthbert in 2017 in eugene oregon and i was backstage smoking there was like this huge ramada room where we were allowed to smoke in and then as they called us on there i was like joking and smiling and laughing and then like once i walked up on those steps and saw how big that crowd was like my brain just clicked and it was like go time and that's like the only thing that i can use to like show just how much of a difference it is i don't know you just have to take it serious because like if you're an amateur artist and you, I mean, and I'm not saying I'm a professional to listen to me, take tips from me, but if you're, if you're an amateur artist and you go out there, you're not necessarily so confident in yourself. So you may not go out there and attract the crowd's attention or get them to follow you, what, what you want them to do, because that's, that's one of the biggest key components I've used in my stage presence is getting the crowd to interact with me. I talk to them. I make them talk back to me. If they don't talk back to me, I don't continue. You know what I mean? I, I make them really have a good time because I've, I've been to a lot of hip hop shows and the ones that I've seen that work out the best are the ones who talk to the crowd and make the crowd feel like they are in there for a reason. You know, you don't want to just go to a show and stand there and act like nothing happened. You know, you want to remember that it's a memory, dude. Some people see their favorite artist once in their whole life and that's the best memory they ever had. So it's gotta be like, it's gotta be an experience for everybody. And, and I just try to go out there and give them what I would want from the entertainer because you want to have a good time you never want to leave a show and be like i just wasted money you know because these people pay to come see us you know i mean obviously there's no shows going on right now because <laughs> coronavirus all the venues are shut down but these people pay money to come check us out so we need to give them what they paid for otherwise why the hell would they come back and watch you again they probably wouldn't yeah no definitely because every concert i've been to the best part was just you know, whether it was just saying, oh, we're here in Eugene, Oregon, or just interacting with the crowd, that, that's mm-hmm. what made it more memorable. How did you interact with the crowd during, let's say, your first live performance? And then when you look back at it, 
how did you want to improve on that one going forward? Yeah. Okay. So I just like to watch how they act. So say the people on my left side are going crazy and my people on my right side aren't really doing so much. I'm going to interact with these people on my left side more than I'm going to try to work with these people on the right side because these guys are giving me what I want. So we're going to work with each other back and forth and eventually they're going to follow the lead. And if they don't, they're going to get pushed to the back because people out of crowd are usually nine times out of 10 hyper and ready to relieve some stress or have a good time. Or it's probably a weekend. So this got done working. They're ready to blow their paycheck and have a good time, you know? So uh, I, I think I've learned just from progressing. I, I didn't really know what I was doing in the beginning. I kind of, the first time I ever did a show was at a bar called Shakers. I don't think it's open anymore. It was in Scottsdale, Arizona through a company called Respect the Underground. Shout out to them. They've been a huge connection with us through all of our music. We've been doing, I can't even count how many shows we've done through them anymore. We did all the hip hop festivals except for the very first one, but I think we were still in high school at the first hip hop festival. So we didn't, we weren't really in the hip hop scene yet, but um, I went out there and I just killed it, dude. I had, I had a two song set and I walked up and I fucking rocked it. I, I, I don't even know. I just, the adrenaline, I exploded. I went out there and I, and I jumped off stage right away and they were like, Nope, come back up here. And I was like, what? <laughs> they're like, you need to tell these people your name. You need to tell them your social media. You need to tell them like yeah. what you got going on. What do you, what, what's your name? What do you represent? What are, what the hell are you doing out here? We, you just, yeah. we just saw you kill this and you're just leaving like nothing, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, <laughs> I was just like, later. but I mean, that's another thing is like, you always want to gain fans at that. And that's, that's, like you asked, what have I learned? That's definitely one thing I've learned is you want to market yourself. You're you're pretty much selling yourself when you go out there. So you want to have as many people follow you as you can. You want to get those connects because you don't know who you're meeting. It could be another artist. It could be a DJ. It could be an engineer. It could be a producer. It could be, you know, it could be anybody. It could be a radio interview, podcast interview. It could be anybody, you know. So you really want to give it your all every single time because you don't know who's watching. You really don't. There could be there could be a guy in the back of the room who's with the record label and you don't know that because how are you gonna know until he tells you who he is? That's true. You gotta treat it, you know, every performance. Yeah, again, whether it is live in front of a studio or live in front of an audience or just, you know, recorded fans that listen to this podcast later on, because you never know. Maybe yeah, the person in the back is a connection with Lil Wayne, which right. you were able that. to open up with. Right. That was, uh, that show was actually through a guy, uh, Bonafide Entertainment. Um, that, that was a super dope connect. Uh, we did that show. It was me and my Dirt Squad crew. We were out there with another set of guys that we knew. Um, I think, I don't even think all those guys do music anymore together. So it's like, I think we're one of the last ones left. I mean, I mean, a couple of them might, but like, I don't really see those guys doing stuff together anymore. There's a one, there's one guy actually, my bad, I take that back. There's a guy named Pint who is out there who is killing it right now. If y'all like fucking hip hop, look him up. He's from the Pacific Northwest. Pint is his name. That feels super dope. He was out there performing with us. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I don't really remember. There was, there was only a few other artists that opened up. But, I mean, dude, when we got off stage at that show, it was nuts. We had so many people run up to us, and they were trying to get, like, 
<laughs> oh, so this is another thing I learned is merch. If you're coming in the game, you're very, very, very beginning. Don't just throw your merch away. Not throw it away literally, but don't throw it all away. Cause dude, we would just blow through money getting merch. Cause <laughs> our fans would go crazy when we would throw them the clothes and they love free shit. People oh, like, yeah. like, I wouldn't say it was a waste or anything because like we gained those fans and they love that shit that we gave them. Yeah our product for free but like at the same time when you're coming up you want to make you want to make money for yourself and get that shit going which i mean we have but it's like we also fucking <laughs> out there dude like nothing yeah but like you get that... the experience if you have a crowd full of hundreds of people there's no way that you can just not give them something you know because that that makes them hungry and they they turn up when you give them free stuff it's cool it was cool man that was a. Uh, probably one of our most memorable shows we also opened up for uh joiner lucas that one was through respect underground in uh 2018 or 2019 just like a year or two ago we did that and that shit was sold out wall to wall monarch theater packed packed house that shit was crazy it was like so packed that the fire marshal had to like come and tell people that they either had to shut it down or not allow more people in or every every time a person left then a person could come in so i'm like peeking out the door trying to sell tickets like to people and i'm like yo uh you're gonna have to wait for these people to leave because as soon as you walk in you're just like have to squeeze like there's so many people in the building it was wild i was just running through it i didn't give it i was just going dude it was just like (laughs) no matter what happens i'm getting because we had like a set stage time that you don't mess that up like if you've ever done a performance and you're an artist you know like when they call your name, if you're not on stage, you're in trouble. Like you're going to get chewed out or you're going to get skipped and pushed out and good luck getting a slot next time because everything is on a schedule. Every last thing you don't, you don't mess that up. That's, that's like something that you'll learn, like, especially as you get bigger as an artist, if there's like a curfew for the venue, because they need to be closed by this time because all the security needs to go home, they'll charge you. Like if you're, if you're in there longer than you're supposed to be, they'll charge you like, Hello. I remember uh, Snoop Dogg came out to Eugene. I think it was at the – it might have been at the Cuthbert or the Matthew Knight Arena. I don't remember, but he, he showed up late, and he was, like, an hour late or something, and he, and he performed, like, an hour late longer, like he made it up to the fans. And they were like, well, just so you know, you're going to get charged. And he's like, I don't give a fuck how much you charge me. I'm out here. Like, we're, I was late. We're about to do this show. Like, let's get it. It was cool, man. Snoop definitely, definitely made that up because people thought he wasn't going to show up, and then he showed up and just stayed out there for a long time. So it was, it was super dope. Yeah, I remember my brother and his friend went to DMX when he was here in Portland, and they were he was late getting to the venue because apparently, uh, actually not apparently, I found out through social media that he held a show outside of the Moda Center after a Blazer game because I think it was a playoff win. So he play like a couple songs and bolted over to the venue and he just continued playing and then he didn't stop he just went way like i want to say maybe 30 45 minutes past his like original time ending but he didn't care so (laughs) i was like yeah yeah i'm sure those guys uh, have that high ticket name like snoop oh yeah they're like it's a drop in the bucket for them that fine's not anything to them yeah they don't care and they're getting paid so much just to show up they could probably pay that fine off with a little bit of what they got from pulling up to the venue. How would you uh, compare the opportunities that you have in Pacific Northwest versus what you had back in Arizona? And I know I understand it could be at different stages when Mm -hmm. it comes to, you know, where you are in your career, but 
when you're back in Arizona, do you have the same amount of equal opportunities to present your music to everyone or was it kind of uh, skewed? Dude, the Arizona hip hop scene right now is fucking booming. It is crazy. It is nuts. Like it is exploding. I think Arizona is going to be one of the capitals of hip hop. I mean, if it's not already, which like I, the only reason I say it's not already is because we don't have any artists that have like gold records out of Arizona. I mean, well, I mean, we probably do, but like, I think it's going to be like, you know, New York is like a central fucking hip hop, California, LA, like all these people come from over here. I think Arizona is going to be a breeding ground of elite Arizona hip hop artists very soon because uh, the company that I was talking about earlier, Respect the Underground, uh, they host the Arizona hip hop festival every year. They, this is like seventh, they're going on the seventh year or going on the eighth year. Yeah, it's, dude, it's crazy. Like it's like, I remember one of the second one and now it's like, Way, almost the year 10 like what the, it's wild but anyways there's so many dope artists there like even the people that I've seen on like the open mics or like because it's all broken down by stages and so like obviously if you're a first timer you're going to be on like one of the smaller stages you know just because they're not going to put you out there in front of a thousand people and make yeah. you piss your pants you know like yeah, you build yourself up right <laughs> exactly just like when we started year two we were on the very beginning opening stage like we should have been we paid our dues put in our work sold our merch did what we had to do mixed tapes the whole the whole thing put out projects gained a fan base and then we started doing more sh more and more shows where you could notice that the people were showing up for us like it wasn't that we just happened to walk into a packed venue already we just had 50 people show in the door with dirt squad shirts. You know what I mean? Like it was like, there was no, you couldn't deny it. Like, and then when we get off stage, the venue got empty. So it's like, there's no way that you could like lie or say that, Oh yeah, those people came like, no, they were, they were there for us, you know? So that's, that's like, but it, it all takes time. It didn't just happen. Like it took us years. We dropped like, three three four projects in that span of time we've been performing for like five years we've done quite a few i mean i've dropped two mixtapes myself i got a joint album with my homie c mad who's in dirt squad the whole dirt squad has a statement album uh c mad just dropped the album called who's who uh so yeah man we like we've been working we've been grinding it didn't just happen we we've really been working hard uh, making music and making videos and everything we started out with was all organic. Like we, we bought it all. We bought the computer, the mic, the, we didn't just have it, you know, we had to save up. And so that's, that's honestly what takes the time is like getting the equipment to make yourself official. And because you don't want to put out music on a piece of crap, mic. like if it, if it sounds bad, nobody will take you serious and nobody wants to listen to it, you know? So you got to buy a good mic, you got to buy a good interface, got to buy the pop filter. And then if you want to start doing videos, got to buy the camera, the computer, the, you know, that's, that's really what takes the time. Unless you have money already, like you got some kind of side hustle or something going on in the background that is giving you real money that go, go for it. You know, you can get <laughs> it, but be careful at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I, it's definitely the learning process, especially when it's something so foreign to you. It's that's good. Yeah, I agree. It takes the longest because you yeah, have to yeah. find uh, the tutorial tutorials and then just figure out some way to practice it because mm -hmm. yeah. And so, you have to stay dedicated along the way. Like you can't, uh, you can't give up. You can't cause a lot of, I've seen a lot of people just give up on it. Like year, two years in it's like, bro, if you didn't grind it for like 10 years, then 
you you won't even get close. You know, you have to really want to do it. You have to really, really, really want to do it. And I'm not saying it takes everybody 10 years to blow up because that's not true at all. But, like, at the same time, you have to be willing to not just back out when it gets hard, you know, because some of the best artists we know have the worst upbringing and hardest stories, you know, and it's like we like that because they fought for something. You don't really want to hear that story about the kid that, grew up rich and now he's a famous rapper like oh that's cool but like you don't really have a story to talk about you know you need some kind of foundation that people can relate with I'm not saying the rich kids can't be rappers but it's like what do you want to hear like do you want to hear that that story about i i did this and did that and came up and or do you want to hear i was up here my whole life <laughs> the whole time you know but um I feel like it's definitely all in perspective, though, because everybody has different viewpoints on hip-hop. Nobody is going to have exactly the same thoughts about it. Everybody's going to be in a different different angle when it comes to looking at it. Yeah, no, definitely. And what is your story that made you want to become a rapper? Because music has all sorts of avenues. You could be a country star. You could be a rock star. You could be a pop star. What about rapping really spoke to you? Because you said that the stories that they were telling was what really leached on to you. Mm -hmm. What was your reasoning behind it? So I, I've been writing music ever since I was like young kid, eight, nine years old, something just, and I just did it just because I, I one day was sitting in my room and wrote some raps and realized that I actually could write them. And I was like, shocked myself. Like, dude, what? I didn't know that I, <laughs> my brain could work like that. Like I didn't even... And I, and I started to write them and I didn't really tell anybody. I didn't like go try to rap at anybody. But I was like a kid, you know, I was like 10 years old or nine years old, whatever, I, whatever I was. And I, and I had this buddy, his name was Kyle Nornberg. And we used to, we used to mess around and listen to rap music and just skateboard and, you know, whatever, whatever we were doing. And I pulled out this paper one day and I started rapping to him and, he was like, what is that? And I'm like, I wrote this. And he's like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And he reads it. And he's like, damn, dude, you actually did write this. And I'm like, yeah, you thought I was lying to you or what? And he's like, well, dude, I just, it sounds really good. I was like, I didn't think that you could do that. And I'm like, well, you want me to do another one? And he's like, yeah, dude, try it. And so I did another one. But this time I wrote like a full like page, like the whole, like a whole, I'm not, I don't know. It was. It probably didn't even make sense. It probably wasn't in a rhyme scheme or bars. I didn't even know what all that was back then. <laughs> but I brought it to him, and, this, and he freaked out. He was like, dude, oh, my God. He's like, you need to make songs. Like, you need to actually start doing this stuff. And so, like, I, I, I listened to him, but I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, let's, let's, I'm just fucking around. Like, it's no big deal. And so years go by, whatever, and we're probably 16, 17 by this time. And I start um, – recording like little bits here and there but i'd never make a full song like i i just i don't I, because it takes it takes actual work to make a 16 bar rhyme go with a beat and then record it and then mix it and master it and i didn't know how to do any of that i had no clue what any of that even was i just knew i liked the rap i just knew i liked to make words sound cool and <laughs> i could i could speak faster than some other people so when they hear that they're like what? like what are you doing dude yeah. it, would, it would shock them and the stuff I would come up with would shock myself so it's almost like a test of how how far can you go it's like a game with yourself of how dope can you make this sound but anyways um like seven days before my 18th birthday we're in senior 
year of high school and he passed away from a car crash at 51st Avenue and Bell Road, right a mile away from our high school. And ever since he died, I just was like, dude, I'm trying to do this now because he was like one of my main supporters. Like he actually made me believe in myself. And if he never believed in me back then, probably would have never kept it going because it was somebody else telling me that I was dope that made me think I was dope, which as weird as that sounds, it was the truth. Like when he told me that I, he thought I could do it, I then thought that I could do it. So it, that, that was really the turning point for me. And I took it serious after that is when I was like 17 years old and my homie died and I pretty much did it for him. Like in the beginning, uh, I, the first song I ever wrote was for him. It was a tribute. It's called till I die remixed. It was, a it was a MGK song originally that I remixed and I put out and people loved it. Everybody loved it. I mean, it, it, it was crazy. I didn't even know anybody was going to listen to it. I didn't think anybody would care. It was mostly for me to him. You know, I didn't, it wasn't for, Oh, look at my song. It's on fucking SoundCloud or whatever. You know, I didn't, that's not, I wasn't promoting it. I wasn't, there was no internet. I mean, it was on the internet, but I wasn't like everyone go download my, you know, it was, it wasn't nothing like that. It was just like, yo, I made this song for my homie. And then it was like one of the biggest things people were talking about. It was huge. And everybody at my school, we were still in school. We were almost done. We had a few months left. And then I dropped a video for it, and then it blew up even more. So then I was just like, all right, dude, I'm, uh, this is it. It's on. Like, it's, it's go time. Like, I started writing my first project. And then right after high school, we started performing. Started doing shows, and it's all history from there, man. We started out small, ghetto-ass venues, thought we were going to get shot up fucking hookah lounges little bars fucking we think we performed in a park one time like all kinds of little weird little sketchy things we did and then a couple years later here we are amphitheaters here we are huge venues opening up for this that and the other you know so it's just a process gotta believe in yourself and just don't give up that's that's mostly what i could say for anybody trying to chase the music dream or any dream in general just don't give up on yourself and keep it pushing because you can be this close and then you gave up and you'll never know unless you, unless you kept going with it. So I've never lost any friend um, due to a car accident or just, you know, anyone at all. So I, I can't really relate to how you're feeling when that happened, as far as the emotional roller coaster you went on creating that song and then releasing it and then seeing the reaction. How was that for you? Uh, well, it was weird at first. It was like, it was, it was like, well, me and him, I've been homie since we were like, dude, like second grade or third grade. We used to skateboard around and all kinds of stuff. So this was like my brother, dude. Like we, we would literally be doing stuff from the morning time to the nighttime. Like we would go to the store, go to skate, go whatever, whatever kids do. And then when we grew up and we got cars and we started partying and, you know, so we did all that together. We, we went through those phases of life. So then when he was gone, it was weird. Cause I would be like trying to just, what up dude. And you can't do that anymore. You know, it's, that's not, a, it's not a thing. Then I used to see him pull through the neighborhood that I would go through all the time over where he worked. He worked at this uh, golf course over on like 47th and Grover's, which was like a few blocks, a few streets away from where we went to high school at. And I would always see him pulling through. Like, it was weird. Like, 
almost once a week I would see him. Like, and we, it's not like we were trying to do it. And then, and then he passed away and I didn't see him anymore. And then I would see cars that look like his and I'd be like, what? Oh no, it's not, you know? So it's just weird. It's like, it's like having somebody there all the time and then they're just, just gone. It's like ghost mode. Like, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to explain how it feels because I, I don't know if I ever really grasped what I felt like, yeah, it's sad. Yeah. It's upset. But at the same time, it's like, I don't think that he would have wanted me to be like all depressed and sad about it. Like, I think that he would have wanted me to, to keep him alive in the best way possible. And I think I did. That's why I dropped that song is because I wanted people to like, know that I, that I cared about him, that he was my homie. And, and we had another good friend named Tyler. Like it was me, Tyler and Kyle. We were, we were the free amigos back then. Like we would always skate and, Tyler's got a tattoo on his forearm for him. It's pretty dope. But, uh, yeah, man. Uh, I, but then I look at it, and I'm like, he passed away, and I wrote my first song, you know? So it's like, it sucks that he died, but it was like it gave me motivation, like, more than ever. It lit a fire up under me that I never had. I never was – I don't know if I ever would have wrote that first song. I don't know if Dirt Squad would even be a thing. I don't know if Rooks would be a thing. I don't know if, you know, it was like – he died and Dirt Squad was born. Like, as, as weird as that is, it's like the universe closed the door and opened another door because then I started rapping and then I brought in my friends that were rappers and then, and then we brought in video people, we brought in producers, you know what I mean? And now, now we have a solid team and it's like, I've changed people's lives in ways that I don't really understand because I brought them into my team and, and then, then he changed my life in ways that, I don't think either one of us knew because it, it was all different. Like once, once he was gone, I took it so much more serious that it like, it wasn't a game anymore. It was like my life, you know, it was like music was literally like what I was doing, trying to progress and get a career out of it, you know, because everybody, everybody says that like, you you want to do this you want to do that but like you only know that you want to do something when it gets hard like tough and it sucks and you still keep doing it like I feel like that's when you really know that you're gonna keep going because if it sucks and you're still down to do it you know it's for you you know do you still have that mentality now or has it kind of evolved into something new oh it's definitely evolved I mean it's bigger it's stronger it's better than it's ever been it's definitely more advanced we have i mean we have our own producer on our team now like like i said we got our own video guy on our team now and these are all things we used to have to pay for and that stuff is not cheap dude anytime you see a rapper shoot a music video paid for it anytime you see him in the studio paid for it you know like and now we have a solid team that which i mean of course you can always go to outside resources we don't always have to use our in-house guys for everything because there are better people always. There's always going to be somebody better. There's somebody that can edit a video better, faster, more, you know what I mean? And that, that can do your vocals better. And you know what I mean? And they, if they're like, yo, do you want to send your vocals to your guy or to Dr. Dre? I'd be like, bro, send it to Dre. You know, yeah. like, there's no way. Please, please like, just immediately. Yeah, dude, I don't care how much it costs. Like if it's, <laughs> if it's something like that, then of course it's worth it. But at the same time, you're forking up money here and there, here and there. How are you going to pay to, do everything you need to do like just to drop an album for a rapper if you're in a studio and they're not cutting you any deals it's gonna be like thousands of dollars dude because if they're mixing and mastering it and recording you they're probably gonna charge you hourly and if you don't have 
your stuff ready to go. And, and if you're still writing your music, dude, and they're charging you for that too, like you're going to be spending some bucks. So it's like, it really helps to have a team. And that's, that's the thing that I was talking about is like, I've, I've like found all these opportunities that I didn't know that were going to happen because I never knew I was going to be able to record with people and do videos and this and that and the other. So it's definitely, it's definitely different. Yeah. So as you're, you know, writing music since what well, your first song was released in 2015, because where you uh, mentioned to me before, mm-hmm. since you've released the till I die remix, you know, tribute to Kyle and, how much of him do you think about when you make songs up to this day or is he still a factor when you make songs or is just not as much as time goes on? Yeah. I mean, I still think about him all the time. Like that's, that's my homie forever. Like that's, there's no change in that. It doesn't matter. Um, he definitely popped up in my music a lot in the beginning, a whole bunch, like almost every other song. And I mean, I still talk about them, but it's just like, it has to make sense. You know, it's gotta, it's gotta fit the song. It's gotta, but I, I, I mean, I still shout them out whenever I can here and there. I've, I've shouted them out in multiple songs, but no matter what, he's a homie till the end, whether it's, whether it's shout him out or not, it doesn't change anything. Yeah. And you know, when you were mentioning how, you know, his death gave birth to dirt squad and rooks. Yeah. I, I relate to you on that one because you know, I didn't experience anything to that intense, but you know, I, I'm dealing with a breakup. And then from that breakup, I was able to get a blog going, get this podcast up and going. And you know, now I'm talking to you, which I haven't talked to you in months. Yeah, and, dude. You know, getting to catch up. So it it's kind of a crappy note when you know something of that kind of trauma leads into a better life. Cause mm. you're like, I wished it didn't happen but it's happening and I'm taking this ball and running to the end zone. So, you know, with, with that ball running towards the end zone, how much of the stardom, you know, the, the fame, the every recognition you're getting everywhere, how much of that is still settling in and how much of that are you still trying to fight off and try and be like, I'm not there yet. I'm still going to work to grind to get, better oh dude we got a long way to go and it doesn't matter how famous i get i'll still act like i'm nobody like i like even when we could do shows like and i'm not even saying we're famous at all but like when we do shows i'll jump in the crowd and like when i get famous i'm still jumping in the crowd like security or no security it's just i want to connect with the people i don't want to ever i don't want them to ever be like oh he's too too big for us or oh he doesn't fuck with us anymore because people are going to say that anyways, you know, when you get, when you get so big, people are going to hate on you just for the fact that you're bigger than them or that people, other people are noticing you, you know what I mean? And I don't, I don't want them to ever say that about me, which I can't, I can't not have them say that they're They're going to say it. The bigger I get, the more they're going to say it. I mean, the, 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 the equal love, or I mean, the love you get is going to equal to the hate, you know, even, even, artists you see now dude that are huge like the ogs legends millions of views people hate on them you know and it's like why like what are you why are you talking bad about them you just can't stop it it's the way the world is people people don't like people throw rocks and shit that shines that's what they say like you can't always you can't always have people not hating on you but at the same time you'll have people support you like no other 
which is something I've noticed is like when, when the crazy support comes is when the crazy hate comes, but it's like, it balances out. Cause like when barely anybody likes you, nobody's hating on you. Nobody, nobody cares, you know, but when people are loving on you, then people hate on you at the same time. But I mean, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter to me. I don't, I, I don't care. It's, it is what it is as long as I'm good with my team and my family. And that's all that really matters with me. I, I don't really care about fame like I do, but I don't. I, I would like it, but at the same time, I don't want people up in my face all the time. So, yeah, the paparazzis, those, because when you see, like, let's say LeBron walking through the airport, let's just, you know, athlete, you like, just can't get away. Yeah. You just can't get away. That's, right. that's a life I wouldn't want for you, buddy. So, <laughs> uh, and social media is such a big thing nowadays, you know, with, what's going on in the world right now and how it is blanketed every avenue of social media. How have you and dirt squad stayed connected with your fans, especially with COVID, you know, everyone's spread out. How have you been connecting with your fans uh, since the lockdown? Uh, I mean, we've, we've been on the internet more than ever. I feel like everybody has, everybody has to do something to adapt. There's no in-person really anything anymore. I mean, everything is opening back up, but no shows, no, nothing like that we had a whole tour booked this summer that had to get pushed back because i mean it's no no surprise everybody's shows are pushed back but yeah man we've been online we've been doing videos we've been doing we've been releasing songs and we've been trying to make more music because we know people are just chilling at home so we've been trying to write as much as we can we've been trying to record as much as we can i um i went out of town i went up north to like portland for two months during the lockdown just to chill with my family but um that's that's pretty much it I mean there's not really anything that you can do other than get online and talk to your people because I don't know when the venues are going to come back I don't know when to expect a show I can't give anybody a date on my next performance I, I have no idea it's all up in the air right now you'd have to watch the news the news would know before I would <laughs> <laughs> and at that time you're just like do they really know? Are they just assuming? Yeah, are they just bullshit? Yeah, you never know, man. I mean, elections are right around the corner, so it could all be a crack of shit. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. How did you assemble uh, Dirt Squad? Uh, so it was me and two of my buddies, uh, Aaron Klein and Justin Klein, back in high school. And that is the original team. We started it out just by doing freestyles at lunchtime. Like we would be in the cafeteria and start rapping or we'd move outside and start rapping. And we would have big crowds of people come around us to the point where the police and the, the security, our school officer would come up and think that fights are going on. And Jeez. we would be like, what is going on? Cause they'd be like rushing us. Like, what are you guys doing? Break it up. Stop, stop. Like thinking somebody's getting hurt. And they would see us rapping and they would tell us to, like continue do what you're doing so we can see why these people are over here watching you and we're like we're not about to rap in front of the cops and the teachers like, <laughs> no. yeah. so we would just pause like just put it on pause wait for them to leave and like they, they didn't really mind like they let us do our thing but like they would just always think that a fight was going on so they'd come and watch us but that's how it originally started uh with me and my two buddies we we just started freestyling at school and then people followed us and then I came up with the name just because, um, um, well, I mean, there's multiple reasons, but I would say it's because we came up from nothing, man. We came up from the ground. That's why we call it Dirt Squad. We came up from ground zero. So I made the name and then made some shirts. And I, it, it was dope because, like, I didn't have a whole bunch of money when I was in high school. So I used, like, my last 
$200 I had to my name to buy a batch of t-shirts. And then that is how we got created is I spent my last little bit of money that I had. And I was like, all right, man, I'm about to go broke, but I'm about to create a legacy. Like I didn't know that back then, but I, I just like had this feeling and I was like, all right, let's do it. And so I did it and I did it all on my own, got the shirts all by myself, paid for everything. And like now, now we all split it up. We got, I got a team and we split up the merch cause it's like so much bigger now. We have like, we buy boxes of merch instead of just like a little, you know, it's not just like 20 shirts anymore. It's like a few hundred shirts that we have to get. And people actually like in the beginning, I would just hand it out. Like I was saying earlier, I would just give it to people. But I mean, I feel like that's strong in building your brand in the beginning. But then as you get bigger, like definitely make some revenue off of your merch. Yeah. No. And then how was moving Dirt Squad from Arizona to Eugene, Oregon? Um, I mean, it was definitely a change because the hip hop scene is way bigger in Arizona and Phoenix. It's like exploding over there and it's like not that big in Eugene. I mean, it is like it is big over here, but it's like more of a hippie type of town over here. Like, I don't know, I guess you would have to be in Eugene to know what I'm talking about or like be from here or whatever. But it's definitely like a laid back, chill stoner town. Like it's not like a like Phoenix where I'm from is a wild west. Like make no mistake, it is dangerous over there. We are like the number one kidnapping capital of the world. And I'm not bragging about that, but it is dangerous over there. And like that kind of music is in that area. You know what I mean? And that's not a good thing to promote in your music, but rap and hip hop has been known to that they talk about a lot of that topic. And there's better music or, and there's more positive rap and hip hop, but it's just like inner cities is filled with violence and that's where that kind of music thrives. And I just feel like that's, that's where that culture lives and breathes over here. It's just like, I don't know what you would call it over here. Like <laughs> folk, folk music or folk <laughs> music or something over here. Like, I don't know, man. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. We've done some fat shows over here. Like I said, we opened up for a little lane out here. So I can't discredit I, Oregon. I'm making it sound like it's nothing. They have a fat amphitheater out here and we've done some fat shows. We opened up for a uh, riff raff and, uh, Devin the dude and uh, Jaron Benton and I'm trying to think we've done quite a few shows out here that, those were all Eugene shows so it's not like this town is dead there's definitely a pulse out here and Portland is popping don't don't get me wrong Portland is popping they've got a lot of rap scene going on over there Eugene is cool it's just we're trying to pop off as a rapper this isn't really the ideal area and I don't plan on living here forever. This is just where I'm at in this current time, where I'm at in the moment. And it's cool. I mean, I love Eugene. It's dope. There's rivers and oceans and legal weed. <laughs> That's one thing that my home is slacking on. Boy, I haven't got no legal weed. You still got to have a plug over there. Some kind of medical go card, go talk to a doctor, this and that. Forget all that shit. I walk in the store and show my ID and I'm good to go. Yeah, it's extremely uh, strict hush hush cell over there. Yeah, dude. You, yeah, man, it's ridiculous. Like people, people go to jail and prison for that over there. And like here, when everything shut down, the dispensaries were considered an essential business. Like mm-hmm. everything else was closed, you could still go in the dispensary. And then back home, where I'm from, people are in jail for having some weed on them. And it's like that's crazy, bro. That blows yeah. my mind. But that's just that's the difference between the state and the federal laws. It's all. It's all mixed. You can't you can't have one without the other, but at the same time, you kind of can because <laughs> weed's legal over here, but it's not over there. So I don't know. I don't know how all that works. I mean, I do, but somebody's got to trick up their sleeve with that because 
I don't know. The West Coast has definitely got it unlocked. Yeah, it, that same argument has been said within you know the NFL when it came to lead weed becoming legal and then the benefits of it becoming more public because you know players have injuries like crazy. But it's right, like right. if this someone in Seattle Seahawks is okay to smoke weed, what's a different like? And then they let's say still smoke weed in a state that's make it un- you know still illegal. Will they still get punished? It's a whole lot of like hypothetical questions right. that are just like. Or they transfer teams to somewhere where it's not legal anymore. Are you going to get a piss test? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, it's dude, like, it's, how do you facilitate weird, that? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and it's like, how can you drug test for weed at a job now if it's legal in the state? Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're like a police officer or something like that, then you wouldn't be allowed to, but. I don't know, man. I just think it's crazy that you are allowed to smoke in your state, but your job can still test you and you're not allowed to smoke. So it's like, it's, it's who, a lot make, weird. who makes the rules, you know, like where <laughs> do these rules come from? Extremely weird standards. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I mean, I'm happy that it's at least legal for people to walk in. I was super happy that they didn't shut down during coronavirus. Shout out to every single dispensary in fucking Eugene and Beaverton. They're <laughs> in lockdown. So you mentioned earlier that the Dirt Squad released the first album called The Statement, uh, and it's available on Spotify now. And yep. then Dreams was your guys' first song to be released on all platforms. Yep. How, how did it feel to have that new kind of avenue to display your music and have people listen to it? Oh, dude, it was so dope. Once we finally got on all the platforms, I was so happy. We, I mean, we had music that we like could have put out for a while and we just didn't because we didn't think it was good enough because we wanted it to be like dope. Like if, I don't know, I feel like dreams was a good introduction song for dirt squad just to be like the first one that went out there. We, uh, we definitely have grown since then though. Cause the, the project we put out was like 16 songs. So like we, that's, that's a mix of all different time. That's a big timeline gap right there of songs. Cause there's one of there's my songs on there, snap and paranoid that are like, I think a year and a half or two years old. And then um, there's brand new stuff. There's like in the middle stuff. It's, it's a whole mix. That's why I like that project is because it's like a timeline of all different. I can hear like different time periods throughout the project. We got a new project we're working on though. That's all going to be brand new though. So the next one is it's going to be pretty sick. It's I'm excited for that, that I don't really have a release date on it yet, but it's coming soon, probably in the next two months or something like that. Yeah, and you know, it's, if I can help get your guys' name out there with whatever you know listeners I have with the Spotify and iTunes branch, I'm happy to help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the statement there was no new original work on there. It was just all stuff you guys had locked up in the vault. Oh yeah. no, no, there was there was for there sure was. new songs. Oh yeah, there was just like a couple. There was like some stuff that was like so dope that I just wanted to throw it on there just so it could be a part of the album. But then there was other stuff that we cooked up right there. Like we made the beat, we wrote the bars, we recorded it right then and there. It was brand new. Like uh, the there's a couple so like the five for one freestyle was brand new. Squad up was brand new. Roll it was brand new. Like quite a few of them were were made from scratch. But then there was just some songs I was like, yo, I I want this song on the album because it's just been chilling and it on my computer and like people should listen to this. It should be in this body of work. Yeah. Then how long was the process to get all those songs and create the songs and just put it all into one? It really wasn't that long, man. My team has a really good work ethic. Um, 
our homie CMAT is the one who produced and engineered a whole bunch of it. He made a lot of the beats and mixed and mastered, cleaned it all up. And then AK is back home grinding. He's got a studio in his spot, so he's recording all the time and chopping up vocals, sending it back over here, we'll clean it up, send it back, listen to it, send it back again. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of emails back and forth here and there because – when you're not all in the same studio, man, it's tough to, I mean, it's really not, it's really not that hard to do it, but like when you want that perfect sound and you're not in the booth with the engineer and you're like trying to tell them on the phone, like what you want to hear, they may not really understand what you're talking about right away. So you, yeah. you may have to resend it a few times, which it's worth it. It's worth it to get the final product sounding good and crisp and clean the way you want it. So it's definitely easier to be in the studio with the engineer, though, 110%. If you have the headphones on and you can just, yo, turn me up, turn me down, cut this out, start me here, you know, it's way easier than calling your homie. <laughs> yo, can you cut this and do that and reverb here and pitch down? Like, what? Like, <laughs> we almost have to do, like, video calls like this, like, to yeah. be able to understand <laughs> what we need done on the song. Now, how did you get past creative, <laughs> like, creative roadblocks? When it came to producing any songs, uh, how, what was your tactic to pushing through and then reaching that final goal? I have to do certain things or go through certain things to get to the point where I'm able to write about more stuff because otherwise I feel like I've just been writing the same shit. But uh, it'll come in waves. I'll write a lot, a whole bunch, song after song after song, and then I'll just chill for a while. And then sometimes I'll write one song a week and then other times I'll write a whole bunch of songs. Like it's all different. It's all, I, I never know. My brain is crazy, dude. And then like, I won't write anything all day long and then 2 a.m. hits and I'm like ready to rock and turn everything up and volume on and everybody's trying to sleep. And I'm like, why am I? But then I'm like in the most creative mode ever, like that I've yeah. been in three days you know and then i'm like well i'm not letting this go to waste and so i just <laughs> stay up and do it because like i can finish a whole song in 30 minutes sometimes you know from start to finish play the beat if i'm just in that go mode i i can get the whole thing done like that and then other times i'll sit down write a couple bars and i can't think of another thing for four days you know it sucks and i'm like i just don't i don't got it right now I just got to wait. So it's all, it's always different. I never know. I can't, it, there's no like magic drink I can drink that gives me motivation. You know, I wish there was, but it hits everybody differently. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, you know, for me, when I have the, you know, I'm trying to write a caption, let's say when I'm trying to write the caption for, you know, this post, I have to at least like look up to the sky and be like, what am I trying to say? And then mm -hmm. next thing you know, like am I in bed? Yeah, exactly. It's just, like that and luckily you know with technology all connected i could just whip out the phone type it all up and then bada bing bada boom save it for tomorrow right Look at that create a block was just ran over yeah yeah dude seriously motivation comes and goes like crazy it it definitely is a uh a, a game changer when you have it and when you don't have it because when you have it you can definitely make a lot of moves you can definitely get get stuff going i um I've definitely been in parts of my career where I'm really motivated and I want to make things happen like right away. And then I've been at other points where I'm like, well, we can slow it down a little bit. And then later on, I don't want to slow down at all. I want to mm. go, 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 go. But I mean, it's all a process. It's all a journey. Like I feel like it's more about embracing the journey than it is getting to the finish line because 
even though we started off small and did all those little tiny, not big deal shows, I wouldn't trade those for anything, you know, because those were fun. Those, that, that built who I am, who, and I don't know if I would have gone as hard as I did if I didn't just keep pushing, you know, because when we first did shows, we didn't have big crowds. We, didn't, we would rap for like 20 people, you know, it was nothing. It was like rapping for your homies or something like it was no big deal. But then as it got bigger and bigger and bigger, you had to take it more serious because it's like people expect something of you. When you walk out there and they hear this name Dirt Squad, they expect a show. You know, you, it's like if they hear Dirt Squad and you walk out there and you don't entertain them, they're going to be like, this isn't who we came to see, you know? So we got to go out there, give them everything we got. And I only learned that from building up small to big, you know? And we still do, uh, I mean, like medium-sized shows and stuff like that. So it's not like we're completely done with that. Like every, and I feel like even the biggest artists, dude, I've seen do like smaller shows sometimes, but those are almost better because you can connect with the people more. Like you can literally see people and talk to people and it's a, uh, it's definitely a different feeling doing an intimate show versus doing a huge crowd. You know, it's, it's not the same at all. It's, it's like, it's like walking to a, like, like a puddle or walking to an ocean. Like it's like two different, it's like two way different things. It's like in the puddle, you can see where all the water is, but like in the ocean, you're like, all right, we got to figure this out, you know? Yeah. yeah. And you find that one reef out there in that ocean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Survive the best you can. <laughs> so uh, my last yeah. question for you is just what message do you have to your fans, to the dirt squad, you know, groupies that can get them excited for, when you guys get back to the studio, because you did mention you have an album that you're still yeah. working on. Mm-hmm. What else can you say to them to get them psyched up for your next drop? Well, man, we got a lot of stuff coming. We got videos, we got albums, we got merch, we got masks coming. We got uh, hats coming. We got all kinds of stuff. I mean, yeah, that's, that's all like clothing and stuff, but we have music. We have an album coming. Um, the homie C-Mad just dropped an album. If you guys want to hear some music right now, right now, he just dropped a fat album. Um, and then AK's, all my homie AK's dropping music, Lokio's dropping music. Um, yeah, let me just shout out all my homies real quick. Ski Mad, <laughs> Lokio, AK, Shane, Dom, the whole Dirt Squad, everybody. Shout out to the gang. But yeah, bro, we, we, we got a lot of stuff coming. I mean, I can't even really put it in order. I have a song, just a, just a regular song that I'm going to drop, not an album or a mixtape or nothing, just a single I'm going to put out pretty soon. So that's something that we can look forward to. And honestly, we're we're wrapping up the album. I've been the one that needs to finish my verses, actually. So if the fans need to get mad at somebody, it's me because I need to finish all my stuff up and then the album will pretty much be done because we're about like eight songs in, I think, and I just need to finish my last verses up and then we're ready to go. Uh, Joey, has your life coach and financial advisor, I say quit your work, just focus <laughs> solely on this and keep pushing on towards the end. Oh yeah, man. Well, thank you, dude. I appreciate it. I'm glad that you believe in us too, because it's definitely been a fight. It's been a come up. It's been a long mountain treading up the mountain, but it's dope, dude. Every every part of it was fun. Every little last, no matter what it was, the good, the bad, the ugly, it was all dope. And I know that this is not even close to the end. I know that this is just another little bump in the road. You know, we're just we're just going down. We're on the we're on the road trip. <laughs> we're out here. Go. 
and and COVID nineteen definitely shook everybody's world up as a musician and it's going to be so dope to see everybody come back together. Like everybody's going to be so excited for shows. And I mean, I'm excited just even as a fan, not even like put me being an artist and a rapper to the side, being a fan of music. I'm super hyped to get back out there and be in the crowd and feel that energy. And cause I love that dude. I, I live off that shit when, when we do shows and people are crazy, like, and we get off stage, it makes me want to hit the studio right away because I'm ready to give people that feeling again. And I feel like when you drop music, it's almost the same feeling as, I mean, nothing, nothing lives up to being on stage. That is like the dopest feeling I've ever felt. But when you drop music, people get excited for that. Just like they get excited when they see you come out there. Yeah, no, it's just by talking to you for like the last like, little bit over an hour, I've just seen so much energy from you versus <laughs> obviously the last time I interacted with you was at the movie theater and everyone's just like, I just want to make it through the day, but you know, this is the most energy I've ever seen from you. And it's just talking about something you're very passionate about. So it builds a fire in me to talk to people like yourself that of this strong passion project and just get their story out there. So again, Joey, thank you so much for chatting with me. And you know, it's uh, I look forward when you open Beaverton again, hit me up. We'll, grab a beer and hang out and yeah for sure man most definitely dude let's get it i uh i actually just got a lot of work done on my car so i'm gonna be traveling yeah. back and forth there you frequently, go probably because we uh got a machine to start making t-shirts like a print press nice. out in beaverton so we're gonna start making hella shirts dude like that's like the one thing that we've been waiting on to get is like a, our own plug to make shirts and now that we got it it's it's about to be go time because we can make all kinds of shit with that machine we can make hats and shirts and coffee mugs and all kinds of shit <laughs> so yeah dude it's gonna be a game changer for sure but yeah man i'll hit you up when i'm back on that side of town do you have any follow-up questions for the guest put them in the comments below and i'll work to get them answered for you for more content from kc media please follow us on instagram and facebook and for more interviews from keone chats please follow us on spotify itunes and youtube until then guys see you then